Let's have a look at the first scripture in um, Matthew 22, verse 37. Not too long this morning, but just something practical. And then I'll, then I'll finish off with something prophetic that will help some people. Um, Matthew 22, verse 37 says, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. Amen. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Say that. Love your neighbor as yourself. Say it again. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. There you go. There's dignity right there. If you can love yourself, appreciate yourself, like yourself, love yourself. I mean, we used to get teased for loving ourselves in high school. Oh, you love yourself. You and your big long hair and your, you know. Yeah. Uh, but actually, it's true. We've we got to love ourselves. And if you don't love yourself, it will have an effect of how you relate to people, how you relate to anyone, even your enemies. It will have an effect. Is that, is that all right? So that's, that's our scripture, our base scripture. I read this, and, 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 and so this sermon comes from this. It comes from, okay, so I watched the royal wedding, and I heard the commentators say, Prince, um, what's his name? Prince William found friends early in his school days, early in his college days, that have kept confidential about some of his, you know, enjoying life, his shenanigans, his, his bucks party, we would call it in Australia. What's it called? Oh, stag party, they call it over there. And, 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 and the media's been trying to find out what did they do on this beautiful, on this great estate, that, on this English estate where one of his friends lived. Apparently, Prince William is a very good judge of character. He chose about 20 people that he believed that weren't befriending him for the wrong reasons, but they just genuinely liked him. And in that, this goes like this. It goes like this. This is what I read here. As much as I, I'm sure many of you would love to know all the juicy details from Prince William's bachelor party, this is the way it should be done with a group of close personal friends who you can trust with your secrets. I'm sure it's difficult for someone like Prince William to find friends that can absolutely trust, that, who he can absolutely trust, but it sounds like he did. He got at least 20 friends in whole he could place his trust. 20 friends, wow. All the guests were sworn to secrecy. Mr. Strubenzensi, anyway, yesterday declined to comment. He said, I'm very sorry, but I've got to keep it a secret. I hope you understand. The amazing thing is that Prince William has chosen friends throughout his school college days who have shown character, allowing for confidentiality, privacy, loyalty to endure, and that is awesome. Even the English paparazzi, who are renowned for breaking people down, paying them out and whatever, the English paparazzi could not break down the wall of secrecy that those 20 friends had made a pact with and said, Prince William, let's have a good night tonight. And guess what? We're not going to go out and tell everyone what we did, but we're just going to have a good time and so be it. How would you like friends like that? They're friends of character. And that's what, I'm trying to, that's what I want to talk about this morning. We talked about the series just before Easter. Let's just do one more uh, part of the series. And this went just for some people who have uh, not been part of this series. It goes like this. Uh, I'll just, just reference this to give you just sort of a little bit of a, 
an understanding, a bit of a perspective of what we're talking about. It goes like this. How important is your character? It determines everything about you, how much you will accomplish in life, whether you are worth knowing, how, how you will respond to success, how you will weather the inevitable storms of life. It's about integrity, whose actions speak louder than words. The message challenges us to be committed to doing the right thing, whatever the cost, and of course, it inspires others and changes the world. This is the, this is the, um, this is the breakdown of what character is. This is what um, this, this guy says. He says, character is the will to do what is right as defined by God regardless of personal cost. Let's look at that again. Character, and you need to write that down. Write it down in the front of your Bible because that's what's going to stop you being duplicit, uh, to be um, half-hearted, double-minded. At the end of the day, if you can stay true to your character and the convictions of character in lieu of what God says is right or wrong and what God wants to do, that's why the pledges mean a lot to me. People pledged. It wasn't an emotional thing. People pledged. They made up their mind and they honored the pledge. That's character right there. That's character. The more, the more you let go of what your word says, the more you allow your word to, to not hold up with integrity, you find yourself you know, living this lifestyle that, that in the end you end up becoming someone you're not quite happy with. Is that making sense? Because you're not a man or a woman of your word. I'll read that again. Character is the will to do what is right as defined by God regardless of personal cost and the cost that we, uh, the, the decisions and the, determ the determinations that we make does cost us. You just heard Luke got up and, and he's honest, man. It's wiped me out for a couple of weeks in giving to God. It costs us sometimes to forgive people. It costs us sometimes to do what's right in loving our neighbor. Or... I like how he says this, character is the motor oil of our relationships. Like it or not, character, character is the very thing that almost lubricates our relationships. An engine starts up, they say within the first 10 seconds, 15 seconds even, that the oil doesn't go up into the motor. And in the first 15 seconds, that's where all the wear and tear is on your motor because the oil is not lubricating those finite parts. The parts are moving. They're supposed to cooperate with each other. They're all designed to be apart and make this thing work to you know, make uh, power to propel the car along. But when you first start your car up, the most wear and tear on your engine happens in that first initial startup because the oil is not between the parts and the parts are moving without lubrication. The parts are moving and they're actually grinding and they're wearing and that's what this analogy is about. Without character in our relationships with our family, our workmates, our marriages, our church, our community, without character, 
there's a breakdown. There's wear and tear. And before long, we're going to, my will and your will, and, and, and that disposition of, of a lack of character, we're going to break down. And I don't care how much you're in love with each other, how much you've got in common with each other, it's going to happen. The relationship will break down with, without character. Is that, is that cool? So character is that which causes us to be uh, in this continual, uh, in this continual, uh, to have this continual ability to love each other, forgive each other, and, and encourage each other, and, 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 and live with each other. Without character, we blow up and we walk away and we walk out of relationships. We walk out of churches. We walk out of places of employment. We walk out. We turn our back. But at the end of the day, doing that is sin because there is a better way in terms of living as a Christian. It's powerful that when we subscribe to God's absolute standard of right and wrong, we are directed to focus on the needs of others instead of ourselves. Let's face it, God's character is others. Let's have a look at the scripture, uh, Romans 8.32. Remember, it was he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up, gave him up for us all. So let's face it, what God is trying to perfect in us is about treating others well, believing in, in others well, and, and being able to live with others. And I like what this says. Pursuit of character means, means having a genuine concern for the people around us. Next, it requires that we serve them, regardless of what it costs us personally. Next, and when we take on the responsibility of looking out for the interests of those around us, it has a lubricating effect on our interactions. Next, a person who possesses character has an impact on everyone in his or her sphere of influence. And I love this. Men and women of character possess moral authority. You get that? Where there is character, there is compatibility. Where there is character is lacking, there is conflict. Conflict. This is, this is quite a strong message. I'll try and get through it the best way I can because I, I can feel that... I mean, I'd like to preach a, a much more, you know, pat you, stroke you sermon and enjoy the ride of living for Christ. And, but this is the stuff, if you can... I wish that someone had told me this years ago, this stuff. If you can take this aboard, write that statement in the front of your Bible... And live it and build your life on that, I'm telling you, man, you will become someone of moral authority. You will have influence to speak. I know some great people right now that are letting themselves right down because of this whole issue. Great people with lots of potential, great callings, but because they have duplicity meaning they're not people of their word, meaning that they are not doing what God wants them to do, that they have not paid the price and stood and stood 
at the cost of their own time, their own lives, their, their, their whatever, the, you know, it does cost to say, I will forgive that person. I will. It's going to cost me. I, I, I'd like to actually do something else. Um, but, I, but I'm going to forgive them. Character costs. Four vital relationships we can have a look at. Just quickly, just quickly. And in our lifetime, we do have relationships that are long-term. Some are brief encounters. Some of it competitive in nature. What about, you know, I look at Garth. He's a bit competitive, isn't he? <laughs> Who's that guy played in tennis the other day? <laughs> man, I'm still sore after playing Austin. Where are you? You're so competitive, man. I have never been sore from a tennis match. I don't know what you did to me, but man, you ran me all around. And, and okay. And I'm competitive too. We clashed like that. Some, some are competitive while others are inherently edifying. Um, and, and some are not. <laughs> but when it comes to examining the effects of character, we can look at four. Four. And let's have a look at those. There's four relationships we can have a look at. One, our relationship with God. One, our relationship with God. This is where character, we've got to realize character is a, big, is a big part of our relationship with God. When we knowingly compromise our character, a change takes place on the inside of us, right? When we know, listen to me, when we knowingly compromise our character to God, you can't help it, man, but a change takes place between you and your God. We become aware of it. We sense this grieving. And there's almost then a sense of unworthiness. And then that unworthiness could end up leading you to a place of guilt. Do you see that in some people? Where they just get really down on themselves because they knew they should have done something or, or, or they should have followed through on something and, and, it, and, and they didn't. And they get themselves all banged up. And what they actually do, they turn from God, they turn from true north, and they turn from God, and they walk away from God. And they think, God can't accept me now. He doesn't like me. I knew He didn't like me. But He never gives up on you. It's only when you turn away and you deceive yourselves, thinking that God doesn't like you. All you've got to do is take stock of the situation, turn around... And ask for forgiveness. 1 John says, 1 John 1 9 says, He is quick to forgive. The blood of Jesus is like that. And all you've got to do is get real. But some people, they, they get even more deceived and they, they conjure up God in their own version. And they say, Oh, God lets me get away with this. Oh, He's good. He lets me go out and get drunk and, and, and you know, do this stuff and other stuff. <laughs> no. No, God has a holy standard. There's a right and there's a wrong. Amen? There's a right and wrong. So some people get really deceived and make up God the way they see, see He is. That's not a good day if you get that far in it. In face, instead of facing our conflict, we avoid it. We go on with our lives, our sin, as if He weren't there. We deceive ourselves. We rationalize our be behavior, recreate God in our image. To avoid the pursuit of characters, to jeopardize one's walk with God. If the development of character is not 
and intentional pursuit for you, it should come as no surprise that God seems distant and uninterested. This is powerful. But when our purposes and priorities are out of alignment with His, the relationship suffers. When our priorities and when our purposes are out of alignment with God, our relationship suffers. But isn't it amazing when you start to turn towards God, you give your life to the Lord, you get with the program of of life, and you start to allow God to perfect your character and transform you, and you start to get with the program of God saving souls, you know, and, and you start to belong to your church, and you help build your church, and you're loving your church and you're building up your church you're defending the church and you're giving to the church you're worshiping church isn't it amazing right there that you feel the presence of god and you feel god is is for you and with you isn't that right but people who don't do that they find themselves on the outer and it's very hard to continue on the journey with the lord god's purpose for your life is to bring your character into conformity with his son That's what He's doing in the inside of each one of us. As you begin to focus on that same priority, you'll become increasingly aware of His power and His presence. Two, relationship with ourselves. What has that got to do with it? I thought, you know, but but it does. It is a lot. Self-image. Say self-image. Constitutes one of the most important relationships in life is a prerequisite for all other human relationships. The way we view ourselves determines how we will interact with God, family, friends, loved ones, and even those we consider to be our enemies. How you view yourself. You know, how you see yourself. If you see yourself as rubbish, if you see yourself as a commoner, someone wrote on Facebook, said, I'm I'm singing how great thou, thou art with one billion commoners right now. That making light of the you know the marriage ceremony, the the, the song they sang, and, but we're not commoners. We're children of the Most High God. Do you know what I'm saying? A, a lot of a lot of my disposition, a lot of my disposition, because I, I grew up with not a lot of um, you know uh, encouragement to be you know someone special, say, and. We all, we all need to find our identification. If mum and dad don't give it to us, someone will. You know, that's why nicknames and that are sometimes very, very bad. I mean, when God's, in God's word, people were renamed for a good reason, for a good reason. And on that revelation, you're going to, I'm going to, you're Peter. Israel. Uh, Sir A- Abraham is, is, is a father, but Abraham is a father of nations. So your identification comes from, from someone, but it's ultimately got to come from God. It's got to come from God, and you've got to feel and you've got to know at the end of the day who you are in Christ. That, that ultimately comes from the Lord. That, that, that doesn't, it comes from the Word, it comes from God, but you've got to understand, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and, and you should be carrying yourself like that, not as a commoner, but as, as, as a royal subject, as a, 
And I love that because that allows you then to walk with dignity through life. Isn't that right? And you don't, you know, we shouldn't be dragging ourselves around. And I know Phil Pringle is very big on that. Our, our boss of our movement, very big on, and that's why, you know, we dress well because we carry ourselves. I'm, 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 the, I'm the king's kid. You know, I'm not a dog's body. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a doormat. You know, you're a prince. You're a princess. You're a prince. You're a princess. You're a prince. You're a princess. I hope I got that right. You know what I mean? That's why you can stand with any dignitary in the world and hold your head up high. Is that right? The absence of character have a variety of effects and, and, and it's like this because guilt, guilt, why? Because it says in Romans 2.14, 2.14, it says in 15, since they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, you, everyone knows it's written on everyone's heart the right and wrong. And when they're grieving God, when they're living away from God, rebellious from God, everyone knows that, and that's what produces guilt. That's why sometimes people don't come to church. They have huge guilt. They have a burden of guilt. And it's unfortunate, because they don't understand that God is so forgiving, so loving. In contrast, when our character is hitting on all cylinders, we enjoy a clear conscience, no matter what hardships we may face, we can rest in the knowledge that we have honored God's absolute standard of right and wrong, regardless of what it has cost us. We've done our part, and as a result, hardships are not punishment for an unwise choices, but are simply the valiant price that must be paid by a person of character. Instead of guilty failures, we feel more like victorious overcomers. Did you get that? Instead of guilty failures, when we feel more like victory, uh, victorious overcomers. So when you're on the other side of the tracks, feeling guilty and, and you feel shamed or whatever, and then some, something bad happens to you, you think, yeah, that's right, that's what I deserve. Oh, look at me, you know. But no, when you're on this side, when you feel the affirmation of the Father and you understand the love of God and a hardship comes, you go, well, that's so what? That's the hardship I'm prepared to pay. Stuff is happening and whatever, but you can take that and you can live through it and you can walk through it. Do you know what I'm saying? When your conscience is clear. When your conscience is not clear and something happens to you and you get that mentality of the victim mentality. Oh, not again. Look at me. You know, why is this happening to me? So important. Three, our relationship with others, which is a lot about unmet expectations and you being just really peeved off because you have given people your best character. People haven't reciprocated you their best character and the audacity. How dare you? I've given you my best, my best heart, my best love. I've given you my best character. And when you don't get that back, you get indignant and say, blow you, Jack. I smiled at you. Why didn't you smile back at me? You know what? when it really hurts? When someone in authority does it. When, when Pastor Phil or, or someone, I smiled at him. Why didn't he smile back? I gave him my best character. I gave him my best smile, my best handshake. I gave him my best... And, and, and he just walked right by me. That's... But listen, guys. 
our significance comes from God. It doesn't come from people. We've got to be able to walk through that, walk by it, and say, okay, well, something's happening there, but it's not my, my deal. I'm, I'm not going to take it personally. You know what I mean? So character allows you to walk through all the compromises of life. When you are having a bad hair day, when you are not smiling, when you are not giving out your best character, we are supposed to be able to handle that and say, man, did you talk to so-and-so? He's usually so talkative. Man, he's, he usually bakes me a cake and, and uh, man, no cake, didn't talk to me. Man, what's wrong with him? Oh, that's it. He's off the... No. No, we've got to be able to handle that. We've got to be able to... I love this. Like two gunslingers in the same town, someone's bound to get hurt. I love that. At the bottom of all our expectations lies self-centered motive. We agree to be people of integrity as long as we receive reasonable treatment in return. Character, not only about submitting to God's standard of right and wrong, it also means surrendering to God our expectations of others. We are, you know what I mean? We aren't willing to suffer the personal cost if it includes being wronged by other, by another. But we extend anything, but we extend anything less than the grace of God to those who wrong us. When we fall short of God's standard, character involves loving our neighbors as ourselves. And when they don't reciprocate, even when they don't reciprocate, once you relinquish your expectations to God, you will find that you are much less likely to be disappointed by those around you. If we look to God to meet our needs, we wouldn't be so disappointed when others failed to come through for us. In short, if we had the will to do what was right, regardless of personal cost, when we would ex- then we would experience the reward of character in our relationships. We would learn the age-old lesson that there is much to be gained from every relationship, whether friend or foe. So just hold up with your character and keep walking through life. Keep smiling and loving and being generous. Keep showing mercy, kindness. Keep loving people. If you continue to do that, you're on the way to being a minister of the gospel. Love it. I'm nearly done. And of course, it goes into our community relationships. The whole deal, that personal, the personal between even yourself, but your God, yourself and your friends, but also the fourth one, our community relationships. I haven't got time to... Uh, do that, but it's suffice to say that, you know, whatever happens in a small group. I love this. When two or more people are gathered, there will be conflict, tension, and friction. <laughs> when two or more are gathered, <laughs> when two or more are gathered, there will be conflict, tension, and friction. But that in itself is not the problem. In most cases, it's healthy and normal. But where there is no character, it's destructive. There is a dignified way to deal with the difference in the way that demonstrates respect for all parties if we are committed as people of character, honesty and fairness. Men and women pursuing character know that conflict conflict is simply another opportunity to display character. I love this and I'm nearly finished. The instructions God has given us are critical to our survival. That's the Bible, guys. That's the Bible. Without godly virtue, we cause immediate harm to our self-image. Without integrity... It's just a matter of time before we destroy each other. Without character, we inflict... Un, un, can we hand the, uh, the communion out, please? Can we hand that out right now? Without character, we inflict untold damage on our communities. The cornerstone of our entire social structure is the condition of the inner person. 
just by subscribing to the belief in an absolute standard of right and wrong, we begin to reverse the subtle encroachment of conflict in our relationships. If we simply commit to do what is right, regardless of personal cost, our relationship will prosper. Prophetically, next week, I want to share something, and it goes along these lines. 1 Samuel 10.25 says, Samuel explained to the people the regulations. In, a, in, in this version I'm reading, it says, the behavior of royalty. Can, can you just say the behavior of royalty? Say it again, the behavior of royalty. Prince William found 20 people he could depend on, trust him, that, that were confidential, that didn't gossip. I'll read this scripture again. Samuel explained to the people the regulations, the behavior of royalty, of the kingship. He wrote them down on a scroll and deposited it before the Lord. And the, version, and the, and the scripture continues on it, and it says, and the people went back to their homes. The supernatural ways of royalty is an answer to such a heart cry, a cry lifted up by the church, by God himself, and even by nature. And if we could, I'd love to read Romans chapter 8. Would you do that at home? Read Romans chapter 8. Because it talks about the sons of God arising, the dignified sons of God arising and being dignified in the royal family and showing that behavior, that royal behavior to our fellow man, to our people in our churches, in our workplaces. That character is all about dignifying others, loving others, forgiving others, showing mercy, being generous. That royal behavior, Lord God, that you paid for on the cross to allow us to live a dignified life. So let's just stand right now, if you could, with the communion in your hands, we say, Lord God, forgive us, Lord, if we're scrapping around like, like second-rate citizens. Forgive us, Lord God, if we're living life like animals, like people know better than... But God, right now, with this message of character, I pray that you would be able to teach me what you're trying to do on the inside of me is to be able to portray Christ on the outside of me. So Lord God, I hold this communion in my hand and I thank you for the price that you've paid so that I can be a man, a woman of character, transformed. Lord, you, you, you said my sin has been dealt with. It's been paid for. This this communion represents the price paid for my sin the body that was broken your body that was broken is for my body to be redeemed to be made whole so Lord God right now I stand with this communion and I declare to you we declare to you Lord God in your spirit we declare to you that prophetically Lord that we want to shine. We want to be a, a church that shines character, godly character, merciful character, kind character, loving character, character. 
develop in me character, Lord God. Forgive me, Lord, of any duplicity, every, any compromise. Forgive me of any flesh. Forgive me, Lord God, of anything that, that taints me representing you to the world. Would you forgive me right now as I partake of this, of this communion? I just want to just want to read this prophetic before you take that we are not just soldiers of the cross we're heirs to the throne the divine nature permeates our souls transforms our minds transplants our hearts and our, transfigures our spirits we were made to be vessels of his glory and vehicles of his light perhaps we are better exemplified as the beautiful daughter who will ascend the throne through marriage for, you, for she is but to the Prince of Peace. The bridal chamber is being built. The feast is being prepared and the bride is making herself ready. Alternatively, we may be called the children of God, the engaged bride, a royal priesthood, the apple of his eye and a new creation. But above all, one thing is for certain. We have captivated the heart of our lover, burning with desire. He has mounted his white horse assembled a majestic entourage and is making his way toward the planet. Meanwhile, back on earth, God's people are rising and beginning to shine in this present darkness. His royal army is spreading the king's glory all over the earth as we take dominion over this planet back from the defeated one. Equipped with the light of the Father, the sons are finding, his sons are finding buried treasure in the hearts of men that were once covered by rocks of offense thorns of treachery and relics of religion armed with the power of the Holy Spirit commissioned to represent the King's Son we are healing the sick raising the dead and displacing devils paupers are becoming princesses as a result and the kingdom of this world is becoming the kingdoms of our God let's take this communion together